one and all, welcome to this week's Red Voices. Thanks as always for making us a part of your week. First part of this week's episode is Rich and myself chatting through last night's wonderful Manchester derby. What a stunning old occasion it was too. In a way. Somehow. Nah, I can't believe back that. No, it wasn't, was it Rich? Fair enough. How are you doing no, my friend? It wasn't great. I'm not too bad, not too bad. I'm enjoying the recording in the day and in bright sunshine and falling asleep. Yes, isn't it good? It is. It's a refreshing change. A legitimate time to drink a coffee in the afternoon on a Friday. What what a time yep. to be alive. Mm. As opposed to cider. Well, I mean, I mean, you're making me sound like I've got some sort of problem. No, no. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kick off with a look at last night's match. So it's been interesting to kind of gauge the fan reaction to that game. You know, I think a lot of people were relatively pleased with the point, but I don't think... Many people seem necessarily that pleased with the performance itself. So where do you, where does it sit with you? I think if you'd asked before the game, or you'd asked Mourinho before the game, whether he'd accept a point at that point, and I think he'd have said yes. Having said that, I think there's a degree of disappointment with the with the way the game panned out and with the, with the United performance, even taking into account the injuries we had, just simply because we've played some really good football in the last few games, um, particularly since the Ibrahimovic injury we've seen. Rashford blossom as a as a forward. We've seen Martial come back in and play really well, and I think there was there was some definite excitement about what we could do with more pace and young prodigious talent um, in the side, which we haven't really seen too much this season. And what we got was quite the opposite, really. We we got, we got a very very defensive performance where the plan was clearly to sit very very deep, let City come onto us, and then try and break using that pace. But the midfield weren't able to bridge the gap between the defence and the three the three attacking players. Um, we, we couldn't keep the ball, we couldn't distribute the ball very well. And so we just ended up really... I was, I was going to say like the Alamo, it wasn't the Alamo, because City never really got going, but it, it was just an ultra-defensive performance. I think if we, if we were on Football Manager, that would have been that would have been United setting up on c- contained setting. Hmm. That sounds about right. I mean, City definitely had the majority of the pressure in that game there's no way of getting around that you know 69% possession gosh 20 shots or so and i don't we registered very very few i don't think we registered a single one in that second half to be honest but at the same time whilst there was definitely a fear that we could concede especially after fellaini got his marching orders it didn't necessarily feel like a foregone conclusion you know it was nervy but i wouldn't necessarily say they were banging on the door with both fists essentially so in that sense I guess it was job done you know an unremarkable performance but I think the frustration is that we didn't necessarily see a bit more it doesn't necessarily feel like it would have been too difficult to get a little bit more out of us for that performance so if we look at what went wrong look at the chances that we had and the two that stand out are you know, uh, Martial's cross and Claudio Bravo randomly deciding in midair yep best thing I can do is tip this out right in front of me and then uh, Mkhitaryan wasn't really able to do much with the rebounded shot there. And then Rashford's free kick, which Herrera sent wide, free header. It was such a good chance. You think one of those two goals go in, changes the complexion of the game completely. And I think United's performance changes as a result. But we didn't get either of them. And that subsequently meant that we were in for an incredibly nervy second half. You know, It was really, really difficult to watch because our passing was just so poor. You know, you and I have spoken about this a little bit already, just how much United missed Pogba. And nowhere was it more clear that we don't really have a particular link between midfield and attack if he's not around than it was last night. Yeah, I think there's there's a perception 
this season when non-United fans watch United games that Pogba's not registering tons of assists and he's not scoring tons of goals. So what what does he do? It's all, all a bit superficial. Whereas what he's really excelled at this season is is that transition transition of the ball between the defence and the forwards. If you look at our last two games, you go back to the Anderlecht game, it was his brilliant pass to uh, Rashford on the left, who was able to cross and Mkhitaryan scored the first goal. And then at Burnley, it was Pogba who started the breakaway that eventually resulted in Martial scoring. And then the second goal, it was him who did the little pirouette and passed the ball through to Martial for the shot that was partially blocked and Rooney put it in. And you know, but from that, he, he, he registers no assists and no goals and so people seem to look at the headline the headline figure whereas you think what he offers it's not just his passing range it's the ability to dribble past players to get away from midfielders to break lines and we don't have another player who's capable of doing that and I can see why people who've only watched the big games in which I think he has underperformed a little have this perception that he's really not playing well he's not doing things but from our perspective he's been so important this season And, and we missed him so much because the three midfielders who played I don't think they had particularly good games individually anyway but none of them had that that range and that ability to, to feed the front three and I think if we if we had been able to then then those three Martial, Rashford and Mkhitaryan could have caused City a lot of tro- a lot of problems but we just never we never gave them the chance to really um, and I think if, if we're disappointed about something it, it was it was that we knew that City defence would could be got at and we just didn't get at them I mean one of the things I was hoping for when the lineup was released was that you might see Herrera push on a little bit further you know maybe act as a similar link between midfield and attack you know he has done that before and this is in in terms of his seasons at United this is the season where he scored the least amount of goals primarily because he's been pushed back a little bit you know he can be a goal threat he can help out a little bit further at the pitch if required but it just didn't happen, you know, and I don't think anyone of that sort of forward six bar Rashford can say they really had a great game. You know, Rashford was waiting for that pass and you saw so often he was just frustrated by the quality of the final ball. You also mentioned there was a chance when Fellaini won the ball in City's half. You're just looking for that quick pass there and Pogba would have had that away straight away. You know, and Fellaini just doesn't have that quality to pick out that pass. And so many times in that second half in particular, Martial and Mkhitaryan seemingly wanted more time on the ball than they were afforded and admittedly City's press did really shut down the game from our perspective in that second half but we just coped with it so poorly I mean the great thing you can say is at least we never really seemed to buckle defensively you know everyone maintained shape I thought Damian was great last night Bailly was superb Blind great considering that he was dealing with Aguero who was looking pretty much in the mood through most of that game and again Valencia played pretty well but as satisfying as that is, and we seem to have really sorted ourselves out defensively, well, they couldn't necessarily say the same for the rest of the other areas of the pitch, which is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I think I think City were able to exploit the inadequacies of our midfield last night. They found themselves on the ball in that pocket between United's back four and United's midfield so many times, and it was to the credit of the back four that they didn't actually allow them to create many really decent chances from there it, it, ultimately City ended up having to have quite a lot of long shots which fortunately they weren't weren't particularly adept at but we had the problem that Carrick is Carrick and has never been enormously mobile anyway his age as well it was it was easy to, to bypass him Fellaini obviously isn't particularly mobile either and Herrera I think just didn't have a great game himself but couldn't do all of that work by himself and you had guys like Yaya Torre ran that game and he was just allowed to to idle through the 
through the United midfield on occasion. Mm. I think we do have to give enormous credit to the back four in a defensive sense, and I think they all defended very competently. And also, Martial was essentially playing as a kind of left wing back for most of the second half, and I think he put a decent shift in there as well. Rashford didn't have much of a chance because he, he never got the ball. I think Mkhitaryan was disappointing. He does seem to go missing a little, a little in the in the big games. But again, none of the front three really got tremendous service. And, and I think that was partially partially down to the fact we didn't have Pogba, partially down to I don't, I don't think the midfield three really did the job they were supposed to do very well at all. And we clearly were set up incredibly defensively. And it, it, just, it just meant that we spent a huge portion of the game just camped across the edge of our own, own penalty area. I mean, one of the really positive aspects of the first half, I think, uh, we started off relatively dangerously, you know, looking like we were sprightly, you know, Rashford running at uh, Kolarov and then Martial on the opposite flank running at Zabaleta. You could definitely see some inroads there. You know, company wasn't necessarily looking as sharp. And then Otamendi is Otamendi. After City came into the game a little bit more, there were occasions where we got the ball and we passed it around the back wisely and slowly and tried to grow into the game a little bit more. We just, we never managed to regain that in the second half. We just didn't do it, did we? And that was the really frustrating thing is that we never really built anything after the break. And it was really, really tough to watch because you could just see at that point, United just sitting back deeper and deeper and deeper and going for those long balls at Sir Ashford in the hope that one might come off and company or Mendy might miss a header. And maybe we could sneak in a, a, a one-on-one on Bravo at that point. Bravo is Bravo. You know, there were a couple of instances last night where it was very, very clear that despite the fact that it was Manchester derby, you know, a Tigers don't want to change its stripes that quickly. You know, it's that cross from Martial relatively early on where he just pushed it right out in front of goal foolishly and it was just ahead of Herrera and then Mkhitaryan couldn't convert first time when he had that shot. He didn't really have much to do with there. I think that's the regret that we didn't necessarily put their defence and Bravo in particular because we know he can be got at and we know if you chuck shots at him, eventually he's going to miss one, that we didn't put them under greater scrutiny because they were there to be got at in a better game and in a better performance. I guess the one thing you can say looking at the uh, game as a whole is that it's come off the back of a really, really, really busy period for United. You know, And you could see the tactics that Mourinho had gone for and I think there's definitely an issue of personnel there in terms of the players that he doesn't yet have and the players that weren't available to him yesterday. And not only that, I think that there's definitely an uh, issue with tiredness coming to the equation. I know that sounds like it's making excuses, but I think it was always going to be really difficult to try and match City for intensity for a full 90 minutes. No, you're, you're right. And, and also, I don't think we can get away from the fact that aside from the back four, if you look at City's team compared to ours, you know, they just they simply have quite considerably better players in attacking areas. We, we don't have an attacking midfielder in the quality of De Bruyne or Silva. You know, we didn't have a striker on the pitch anywhere near as effective as Aguero. And um, we had to be aware that we were going into that game with poorer players in key areas of the pitch. So you can understand from Reno's perspective why he's <clears throat> taking a, a pretty conservative approach. And if you look at the game in the context of the season, I think if either, if either team loses that game, then top four becomes far less likely for them. And I, I think for... Guardiola, for him to miss the top four would be an absolute disaster. Hilarious, hilarious disaster. Well, it would be, but I'm sure they'll they'll say the same of us. But it but he would be an absolute disaster. And if if you look at the personal rivalry between the two as well, I think I don't think either either wanted to lose to the other. 
So what you essentially got was an incredibly conservative United, an incredibly tentative City who weren't taking any chances. I mean, you can tell from the the, the back four that Guardioli put out that it, it, he went for solidity. He had Kolarov in at, at left back really to try and deal with pace. And he had two solid centre backs rather than, you know, he's, he's played full backs at centre back at time this, times this season. He just went for a far more solid lineup and... It, it, it just looked like a game that both sides were were afraid to lose. And the other thing was, he, he eventually brought Gabriel Jesus on at, well, I think, the 86th 86 minute. And I think if he'd been braver, he could have brought him in, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before that. And I think United right, really have struggled because he looked very bright. But it, it just seemed like a kind of, I'll just throw him on for the last four minutes and see what happens. But if he doesn't score, it doesn't matter too much. I don't think, but I don't think either manager are terribly disappointed by the, by the result. And they, I think they just both think they live another day. No, exactly. I mean, the one thing you can say is that at least we didn't necessarily give away too many chances. Certainly not, given the fact that we <laughs> gave away so much possession, gave the ball away so often, and did so little with it when we had it. The one thing that kind of sticks in the craw a little bit is the Herrera header just towards the end of the first half. Sane completely left Herrera, and it was a free header on the far post, and he just couldn't keep it goalwards. Admittedly, it was coming in quite fast, but you expect him to score that goal. You expect several players in our team to get that one, and that was that was the chance. And the frustrating thing is is that we didn't do anything in the second half that was anywhere near that. I don't even necessarily think we got a shot in that second half. But on the flip side of that, we kept City quiet for large chunks of that game. You know, in terms of chances that I can recall of theirs, I mean, admittedly, pretty much all of the game's best chances from the City's perspective all fell to Aguero. So there was the uh, shot that hit the outside of the post early on from De Bruyne's low cross, expected the net to bulge on that one. Uh, created a little bit of space and did daily blind at the same time at the edge of the area, but fired over. A couple long-range efforts. There was that deep cross right towards the end that he sent close to the corner flags. Then there was Otamendi's header that somewhat fortuitously came off the back of Bailly's head. Speaking of which, Eric Bailly, he's just great. Big fan. We'll come on to the biggest moment of the night in just a minute, Rich. But my personal favourite highlight was the goal that wasn't Gabriel Jesus running round the back of the goal for what seemed like an eternity until he realised the offside flag had gone up. They're uh, they're bittersweet moments, those aren't they? You you have the the terrible heart sink when the ball hits the net and the player goes off to celebrate, and then the the joyous discovery that he's celebrating for nothing, and we can mock him remorselessly. It was a, it was a heart stopper, then a heart warmer in about three seconds. This is true. And my, my favourite tweet of last night, though, my favourite tweet was from uh, at Criminal Costa, who said, just seen Gabriel Jesus run past my house with arms out in celebration. <laughs> he didn't notice for a long time, did he? He did not. And to be fair, neither did many fans around him. Fortunately, the, uh, fortunately, the commentator spotted it straight away, so our agony wasn't dragged out too far. I've never been more grateful to have Martin Tyler in my life than I was at that exact moment. He was right on top of it. It was superb. It was. I mean, if you look at it, he's clearly offside. It, it was a pretty easy decision, but obviously from the angle you're watching it on television, didn't necessarily see that. No. I mean, we've spoken a little bit about missing Pogba last night, and in particular what the effect was on our midfield. One person who's not going to be having much of an effect on our midfield for the next couple of games, at the very least, and if some fans have their way, perhaps never, Mr Fellaini, Rich, <laughs> got himself sent off in... I'm going to say it, the stupidest of circumstances last night. I can't believe you were telling me that people were arguing with you about this. And this is one of those situations where I don't want to sound... Actually, no, I don't care if I sound a little bit forceful with this opinion. There is no way you can possibly defend that sending off. Absolutely none. Yeah, it was It was really strange. You know, I, I think I 
tweeted something about it just being a really silly thing to have done. And I had two or three people kind of say to me, really? He's been conned there. It's Aguero's fault for going down. He shouldn't have even been booked. And uh, <sighs> one guy asked me if I'd, if I'd ever played the game as if I'd, as if you know every footballer is forced to go head-to-head with another footballer at some point. You know, ultimately, he'd just been booked. I think he, he clearly lost his head a bit you know then there was a bit of a collision again and then Aguero comes over and if you're a professional footballer you know that pushing your head towards some another player's head is going to get you in the shit if it's seen by the referee and you know he did clearly made contact it wasn't enough to hurt Aguero it wasn't enough to to knock him to the ground then he made you know made a huge meal of it but the Mm. moment you do that you're immediately putting yourself in in danger of being sent off and even if even if it was only a yellow card, ultimately he, he's sent off. He's off the pitch, and we're, we're playing that last whatever amounts to maybe about nine, ten minutes with ten men. It was a, just an absolutely absurdly stupid thing to do, and the, the reaction to it afterwards showed you that he just completely lost his shit. He's done things in derbies before. I mean, I remember back to the home game we lost during the Moy season, the one we all want to forget. He launched an elbow into someone in that game, and I don't know why. I don't know what it is about the, the derbies, but Flaney just can't seem to control himself and a lot of people took took it as a people taking another chance to have a go at Fellaini and you know there are a lot of people that don't think he's good enough to be playing for United but he just did something really dumb and it doesn't matter which player on the pitch had done that and they got got themselves sent off it was a really really dumb thing to do and Mourinho won't thank him for it Uh, no I completely agree I mean the first challenge I think that was the second yellow card of the whole game yeah. All right, you can kind of see what he's trying to do there. City, you know, United had a rare moment of possession in uh, City's half. We lost the ball, and Fellaini's just chasing down the ball, trying to put a bit of pressure. You know, I think it was Aguero that he scythed down at that point. Yellow card, take it, carry on. He took one for the team, didn't he, there? I think yeah. it was just a case of not letting them break away. Yeah, I don't think you could criticise him for that. Yeah, and the second one, I don't think Martin Atkinson was of a mind to send Fellaini off for the foul that followed no. Aguero immediately afterwards. I think he was just at that point because he kept his cards in his pocket at some point to his detriment and to the detriment of the players around him because there are several occasions where Rashford got tangled up you know, with the likes of Otamendi just basically trying to hold him off and on the rare occasions we could break, he just got physically pushed out of the game. But when... Guerrero went down for the second time. I don't think he was going to be sent off at all. I think the referee was just going to try and slow the game down and just say, "Look, that's your final warning. Do that again, you're off." That would have. That's all that would have happened. Maybe if Fellaini was annoyed by the fact that he felt like Aguero had gone down too easily, which to a certain extent it did look like he did. That's irrelevant. Don't do that at any point. But to go up to Aguero and butt heads with him with the referee less than a metre away, is unbelievably dense. It's just dumb. There's just no point to it. There's no benefit. And I know that Mourinho's got his, you know, the siege mentality, and I get that to some extent, because you don't want to publicly lambast your players if you can avoid it. Although, to be fair, with Mourinho, you really don't know. But we're talking about, you know, just mentioning and quoting his press conference today in preparation for Swansea on Sunday. And he said, Mourinho said, I saw Aguero in the tunnel and no broken nose, no broken head. His face is nice as always. And that was similar to what uh, you know, plenty of fans were saying in terms of the fact that they thought Aguero was play acting. Like none of our players have ever done that in that situation. I'm sorry, but you know we've seen that situation happen too many times to know that if you put yourself in that situation, it doesn't matter what the reaction is. Don't give the referee a chance to send you off. And Bellini gave him several massive reasons to do that. Yeah, he did. I mean, I think I think Mourinho did actually say just after 
the, the quote you gave that you know he didn't know if it was a yellow or a red, but it you know the implication was it was clearly one or the other. I think it's made worse by the fact that Aguero is like four foot three, and Fellaini's six foot nine. And, and, you know, Fellaini had to bend over to nut, nut Aguero. You know, he consciously, it wasn't just two players coming together with faces in front of each other. He actually had to go towards Aguero and consciously put his head against Aguero's. It was just a really dumb thing to do. I, I think there's a bit of a frustration where, and it's not just Fellaini, but there are, there are some players who can do stupid things or things that, that result in the team or the team losing points or whatever. And nothing said whereas there's quite extreme criticism of others so Flaney essentially let Didonka go for the Anderlecht equaliser in Belgium obviously there was the Everton game where he came on and gave away a penalty that cost us two points but Flaney's never criticised and I know Mourinho loves his players that work really hard um, and that follow instruction but it just doesn't seem like there's reasonable and fair criticism because he should be criticised for that we'll come to it later it's, it's kind of a side point but obviously he's been very critical a couple of times about Jones and Smalling this week and it just doesn't seem like it's being entirely objective all the time in his public assessments of his players and what they've done no, I completely agree. And uh, our Paul Gunning was uh, absolutely on fire last night with this particular tweet, which said Fellaini's played well recently, but he's always got that in him because he's an idiot and he'll never be good enough to play for United. <laughs> Fearsome there, Paul. Beautiful work. Yeah, it, it does. In the context of what United are trying to do at the moment, which is try to simultaneously get a top four spot and get into the final and win the Europa League, the fact that Fellaini's now suspended himself out of three, potentially four of the last five league games of the season is just absolutely ridiculous. You know, when a time warmer already stretched thin for the Red Mist to descend in that situation from such minimal provocation in such a circumstance is just inexcusable. Yeah, all right, it happens. And I know that you can... Everyone loses their call at some point, but in that sort of circumstance, in just such a nothing game, in a game that, all right, a lot of importance was placed on it and it was hyped up, but in terms of the actual intensity of what was happening on the pitch, it was relatively tame. That was the thing that got me. As I said, you know, one yellow card prior to Fellaini getting booked initially. It wasn't necessarily bad tempered. It wasn't dirty. It wasn't necessarily an incredible battle, which is what confused me even more for how suddenly Fellaini could just twist so quickly and for him to react like that it was just daft and it really causes us problems now as well because that's one player less for our league games for you know let's see Swansea this weekend Arsenal the following weekend and Spurs the weekend after that which is not great times especially not considering that it sounds like Timothy Fosumensa who would be an option in midfield is also injured having I think it was dislocated his shoulder in the last attack of the game so guess what Rich yeah. Midfield wonder. From the quotes from the quotes we read immediately before recording, Mourinho has said of Rooney, yes, yes, he's an option in midfield now. We don't have any uh, other players there. So uh, thanks, my man. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. The I mean, return of, amazing. Return of, of Wayne the playmaker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the devil deep you see, uh, isn't it really? Oh my god. Oh dear, you've broken me. What a world in which we have to pull Wayne back into midfield. I'm not necessarily suggesting that he can't do something of a job there. And, you know, if that's what we've got to do, then that's what we've got to do. But what a situation to unfold that Mourinho is going to have to call on his captain to go back into midfield, having so publicly lambasted him and his passing ability pretty much in the first week of office. Absolutely amazing. What did you make of Mourinho's comments this week? 
about Jones and Smalling. I mean, we spoke a little bit about it last week. I'm still firmly of the persuasion that Jones and Smalling would be back and playing if they could be. Neville was asked about it on the commentary last night for Sky Sports and said, from his experience, those are two players that would necessarily be a little bit more reckless and would try and rush back and sometimes would be in that situation as quickly as they possibly could be if they felt like they could support the team. And I think it's one of those times where Mourinho has prodded a bear but without any real reason you know he, I don't see what he expects to gain from a situation because I would imagine Smalling and Jones would be back playing if they could be yeah it's having the the manager publicly criticize players is a bit of a strange experience for us isn't it because it's something that Fergie really very very rarely did hmm. you know his his whole thing was defend his players to the death in public and then go and bollock them out of sight in the in the changing rooms afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the situations that always sticks out in my mind was his him publicly supporting Raphael when he got sent off against Bayern Munich in the Champions League yeah. quarterfinal. And yeah. you know, there was no defending Raphael on that occasion. But Ferguson was absolutely steadfast in his support of the player at that point. Yeah, and as you said, I think, I think a lot of the attacks seem to be... There's just kind of a bit of a nasty edge to them. And we've said before, you know, Jones particularly, if you remember back to... October, I think, when we played away at Swansea and Bailly and Smalling were both unavailable and Jones hadn't played for weeks. And Mourinho made a point of praising him for pushing himself back early and he should have been there. As, as you say, I think if, if either of those, those players felt that they could get through a game and not let the team down, they'd do it. I just can't help but wonder what possible positives there could be for some of the, you know, some of the stuff that Mourinho says about about players you know one he literally veers from day to day from completely damning a player like Shaw um you know suggesting that he's absolutely miles behind everybody else in the group and that that he's got so much work to do then he comes in and plays a game and Mourinho's incredibly complimentary and then he disappears in for again again for another two weeks I just don't understand the psychology of some of the things he says sometimes there's certainly quite a few players who've responded very well to his management but there just seems to be a few who he's perhaps inhibiting as well <laughs> well that, that kind of leads quite nicely in to a question that we've been sent this week you know sometimes we'll end up getting a couple of fluff questions you know something along the lines of what do we think would be Juan Mata's preferred dog Eugene Wong however has decided not to give us the easy one this week and he sent us this rather incendiary question Based on what we've seen so far this season, is it fair to surmise that Jose's learned absolutely nothing from his final season at Chelsea? Mm. I, I think that's very strong. I'm, I'm not sure that his approach to managing players has changed at all. And that was part of his downfall at Chelsea. I think there are particular circumstances there. I think the Eva Carnero affair was particularly damaging because she was somebody that the players liked and Mourinho clearly was in the wrong in that circumstance and yet he couldn't you know step back and say he was and I think that damaged morale a lot yeah. but I think the players all just did not react well to individual attacks and he is doing the same that I don't think the United situation is anywhere near the disarray that Chelsea were in at the start of last season I just I just think that there are elements of the way he manages certain players that you know leave a bit of a a bad taste in the mouth sometimes but I'm not necessarily saying that's terminal but it's, I just don't think he's helped two or three players with the way he's managed them yeah I mean I think it would be really interesting to see let's I mean revisit this question in 12 months time you know and see how things are there because 
my inclination is that the more successful United are, the happier Mourinho will be publicly. And obviously we can only go by what we hear publicly because we don't have any window into what happens in training. So in terms of not learning anything, it's very difficult to give a complete answer to that question because we don't know what happens day to day because we have no window into that. But in terms of public management, you know, I agree completely. Several episodes this season have just been really unedifying and I haven't necessarily enjoyed seeing him and hearing him publicly lambast players in such a fashion. The way that Mourinho just seems to try to, as I mentioned last week, you know, the way that he tries to grab that extra percentage out of his players, that extra bit of commitment and the way that he pushes them, I'm not necessarily a fan of. If it gets results, it gets results, but it doesn't. It, it's just not that enjoyable to be on the other side of. So you know, again, but you know, in a year's time, we'll see what things are like. You know, provided Mourinho hasn't yeah. exploded and self-destructed, and we're trying to tempt Carlo Ancelotti over to Old Trafford or someone. Anyway, uh, at Tom McGee asks uh, Fellaini, why? I think that's the question that we've all been asking for quite some time, really. <laughs> I don't, yes, there's no answer. Is it? It's just it's it's the it's the eternal question for which there is no answer. I don't know. I mean, three managers now have found a use for him in this United team. And I think that we have now, with what happened last night, I do think that we're approaching Fellaini endgame because whatever happens now between the end of this season and the start of the next season, we are going to bring in better midfielders. That is just a thing that is absolutely going to happen. So I do think his days as a regular starter at United are numbered. Uh, Johnny Brook asks, if my friends still say Podbury is shit after the massive impact his absence had on United last night, should I stop playing out with them? Yes. And Absolutely. I think, you tell their pa- I think you should tell their parents as well. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go too strong on people's anti-Pogba sentiments because I think a lot of that is actually wrapped up in the fact that he cost £89 million. Don't know if you know that, Rich. But yeah, I mean... I'd heard that, yeah. Yeah, oh, real good, yeah. I think his influence can't necessarily be measured in assists and goals. You know, you look at the way United just look a lot more functional with him in and the bucket loads of class he's got. To say that he doesn't have a massive impact on United when he is and isn't there, especially in a situation last night when we were so desperately crying out for a link-up with the attack. Well, there we go, speaks for itself. Uh, Tom Reeks says, uh, do you think we missed out last night by not getting our fullbacks up the pitch more? only relying on our wide attacking players. I mean, Darmian's never going to get forward that much anyway. No. That's just not a thing that's going to happen. It's very it's very difficult to say because if you open up, City can damage you. And I'm not sure we had the quality in, in the side to to make the most of the attacking opportunities. I think if it, if our full-backs had pushed up too far, we could have got destroyed in, down the flanks I, th- I don't I don't see a problem with the way the back four play to be honest I think they needed to be conservative and compact and they were and defend and I, I think the midfield was the area of issue and the three players that played there didn't really do their jobs sufficiently to allow the game plan to work Andrew Dayton uh, says a Spanish based publication Marcus say uh, Jose wants Joe Hart I know it's not right but who's going to replace De Gea I'm starting to worry Romero isn't good enough either I don't think that Mourinho would hand on heart. I don't think he would dare put Romero into the number one spot next season, no matter what happens with De Gea. I'm kind of resigned to Dave leaving this summer. And I, whilst I'm not necessarily that happy about it, I think United are perhaps better set up to cope with the loss of you know De Gea than we have been for some time. If that happened a year ago, I'd have been very, very worried. But I think Mourinho can be trusted to sort that issue out. And I don't think that issue, the answer to replacing De Gea involves Romero becoming number one. 
No, I, I'd love to see um, you know, Old Black from from Atletico. Um, yeah. I think he's an absolutely brilliant shot stopper. I mean, the thing is, if if De Gea goes, it's going to be for an almighty fee. You think certainly in excess of fifty million pounds, if not more. So there's going to be a huge amount of money there to, for a replacement. It's just a case of persuading. It shouldn't it shouldn't be a problem persuading clubs. It's, it will just be a problem of persuading players if they to, to come to United. You know, certainly we've got the finance there to to buy a, a pretty adequate replacement. But as you said, I don't think we're as reliant anywhere near as reliant on a goalkeeper as we have been for the last two years. No, I mean, the defence is something that Mourinho has seemingly fixed, you know, despite the fact that we've had a rotating cast of characters in the centre and, you know, the left-back position has seemingly be up for grabs. I, th- I think the defence is feeling pretty settled. I feel better about it than I have since, what, Ferguson's last season, perhaps? So that's something, and I think you can build from that. But I, I don't necessarily feel like, especially with the way that De Gea has not been called on this season, you know, in comparison with last year where he was seemingly bailing us out of games on a weekly basis... I think that you can. There's less stress attached to the idea of replacing De Gea, even though there's still a little bit of a, a twinge of upset about the prospect of him leaving and going to play in Madrid. But there we go. Uh, Austin MUFC asks, "Are we happy if with Fellaini out for the next couple of games? Who replaces him?" No, I'm not happy because we haven't got any bloody players. Wayne Rooney, as we've already said. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Rooney starting that is going to be quite magnificent. Uh, speaking of Rooney, actually, Stephen Roberts, nice segue, asks, is there any chance Rooney stays next season? No, absolutely not. I can't I can't see why he'd want to stay and essentially rarely play. I can't imagine why on earth United would want to continue paying him 300, or whatever is it, 250,000 pounds a week for not playing. It just makes sense for both parties that he moves on. I can't see any other outcome. Yeah, I don't see what's in it for Rooney for staying for another season now. You know, I mean, financially, yes, he is very, very well compensated for his efforts or in some weeks lack thereof. But you know, when Mourinho dropped in for that Leicester game in that, you know, after having struggled for that first couple of months of the season, I think he made it very, very clear to Rooney that he wasn't necessarily a part of his key plans. And that has continued ever since. You know, I think that game was back in what October. You know, he's barely played consistently since. You know, he's been more likely to start a Europa League or FA Cup game than a big league game. And I think Mourinho's made it very clear to him that he's not in his plans as a key component of it. It's not the wrong decision at all. You know, Rooney has been a great servant for the club, and as I said last week, I do hope that he gets one more nice moment to send himself off into the sunset with by the season's end but his time at the club is pretty much up and I don't think anyone can have any complaints about that. If you think what else we could be doing with that money, um, you know, United need to sign at least one, if not two big, big name players this summer and they're mm. going to need to pay them a lot. Um, so, you know, that's an enormous amount of money off the wage bill every week. So, I, yeah, as, as you said, there's no logic to him staying next season for either party. Right, Rich, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining me for this first half. It's all right, no problem at all. Right, second half of this week's episode is myself and Kev talking about the Swansea game. Let's see how that went. Kev, one simple question for you to begin with. Uh, Which draw-based pun shall we use when we name this week's episode? 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Um, there's there's so many to choose from. I I conveniently can't think of any. Give me a sample or a a, a selection of of what you're considering currently. Ah, drawing lots. Uh, draw me like one of your league draws. Uh, draws, 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 draws. Death by a thousand draws. Death by a thousand draws. That's a good one. I quite enjoy that one. That 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 yeah. seems very apt given what we saw yesterday. <laughs> I mean. Bless you as well, mate. You managed to avoid the result for several hours and then had the wonderful task of watching that back several hours later. Yeah. Oh, that Swansea draw was something else, wasn't it? It's one of those things like when... So I was I was uh, busy and, and out to lunch with some friends when the game was actually on. So, you know, you do the ambitious thing of saying, right, I'm going to avoid social media and I'm going to somehow avoid you know, chatting to the people I normally chat to about the football. You know, we have a, a Red Voices WhatsApp group chat that went on mute for a couple of hours. And I was like, anytime I opened WhatsApp, I was like, right, quickly, quickly delete it. Don't look at it. Um, <laughs> so you have to put quite a bit of effort into uh, to avoiding the score, even if it's just for a couple of hours. So yeah, I sat down late afternoon, about four o'clock and, and watched 78 minutes of a game that I was hoping we would win. <laughs> and then And then the thing happened that always happens. So yeah, I'd I'd like to think I I have a right to be particularly frustrated because of the additional <laughs> effort that went in, um, and I will be reacting as such throughout the rest of this part. Um, yeah. yeah, well, I think Paul, who I'm pretty sure was at the game yesterday, was mentioning on Twitter that he felt based on the fact that we were relatively negative against City on Thursday night, that sort of performance and that sort of result is thrown in some much sharper relief. And I think we should chuck that caveat into the mix straight away and just say that United look absolutely bloody knackered at the moment. They really, really do. They struggled to get any sort of intensity throughout that game. And admittedly, I didn't necessarily think it was going to be easy because Swansea really are scrapping for their lives. And we do struggle so much in those sort of games at Old Trafford. But it just looked like United are running on empty at this stage, which is quite worrying considering just how much football we've got left to go. But having said that, Given that we knew what the reward was, given that we know we've got to go to the Emirates and we've got to go to White Hart Lane and we've got to go to St. Mary's and we've got to entertain Palace and we've still got two more games left in the Europa League, to come away from that game against Swansea with another draw is so, so disheartening, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I mean, we equaled our... No, I think we've surpassed our longest undefeated streak in a single season, haven't we? But it's been quite underwhelming we must be approaching a point now where we have as many draws as we have wins in that in that run I, I don't i don't have all the details but it's certainly fairly close it hasn't been as imperious as a 25 game 29 game however many game wins uh, undefeated streak would would normally be when you when you hear it said out loud yeah i i agree with you regarding the team i think we're i think the the, the intellectual way of phrasing it is is to say i think the squad is on its arse and <laughs> You have a way with words, my friend. Yeah, yeah, I'm a poet. I, I think we have been for some time, though, haven't we? I think the the Chelsea result almost masked that, and and it's quite interesting because Rashford is the one who's coming in now after you know as Ibrahimovic clocked up forty plus games. Now Rashford is our main striker up front, but he's clocked up I think the third most games in the squad himself, usually from out on the left wing. So even though he still seems to be a ball full of energy, he he can't be as fresh as we would ideally need him to be at this point in the season. And then it's just injuries as well. Injuries to players that, with the exception of Pogba, I guess, uh, 
you know, injuries to players that have proven themselves to be injury prone throughout their entire career until this point. So I'm not sure why we would expect any different now. So yeah, Captain Hindsight is coming along here and, and is asking inevitable questions about squad management. I mean, that is now six injuries in the last four games. So that's Rojo, Ibrahimovic, Pogba against Burnley, and then Fossi Mensah against City in the derby on Thursday, and then Shaw and Bailly yesterday God, against Swansea. It's just such a huge... It's, it's, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. I mean... Let's talk about Shaw. You know, again, Mourinho's handling of the situation has got to be questioned because, you know, immediately after the game, he was saying, I really hope that is a massive injury by Shaw. Well, no. What if it's not? What if he just didn't think he could play anymore? You're talking about a bloke who had a horrific injury, what, about 18 months ago. All right. Yes, you would really hope at this stage that he'd be able to progress onto the next level of his career and perhaps try and come back strongly. Just doesn't work like that for everyone. And I don't think... Given the way that Shaw's season has gone, given how publicly he has been lambasted by Mourinho, I don't think there is any way that Luke Shaw would leave the pitch unless he was genuinely concerned that he would do himself greater damage if he stayed on. I think that's fair. I mean, some of the way that Mourinho has been talking, particularly around player injuries and this whole notion, I mean, it kind of started earlier on in the season, didn't it, when when, uh, Chris Smalling injured his toe or something like that. And it was this whole notion of... He doesn't seem to be totally eager to fight to come back. And you listen to what he says sometimes. And you, what what are you trying to do here? Are you trying to motivate players to, to come back even sooner and risk injuring themselves further and being out for even longer? And and then you're gonna probably going to lambast them for that anyway. I, I don't know what his game is. The, the only thing I can think of is, unless he legitimately knows that they are fitter than they claim to be and are just their head isn't in the game. You know, I used to see that kind of thing happen with Daniel Sturridge, didn't you? This whole notion of he won't play unless he feels 100% fit. Whereas you you contrast him with other players who, if they can physically get themselves onto the pitch, they will play. Um, So I don't know whether it's a mixed perception or some bizarre mind game that Mourinho is playing or whether he's just pissed off and is just lashing out nonsensically. I'm, I'm not really sure what his game is, but... I don't think we could ever really accuse Phil Jones of being conservative with the physical side of his game, right? I mean, he's he's somebody who 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 starts fights with brick walls, pretty much, you know. So it's <laughs> it is strange. I don't quite understand it. But I guess he's not used to working with defenders that are as injury prone as ours are. Is he? If you look back across his career, he's usually his defense, especially, is usually consistent, rock solid, and makes most of the appearances that they have the potential to make if you know what i mean i'm sure he's he doesn't quite know what to put it down to either and and it's it's symptomatic of of a long-term thing at united isn't it i mean when's the last time we didn't have an injury crisis in the defense during a season i mean i'm drawing a blank on that one completely i mean the one thing you can say in Mourinho's defense he has been dealing with a lot a lot of injuries and to be fair I understand that because, you know, Phil Jones could bloody injure himself in a padded cell. You know, it's, it's just a thing that can happen. And there's there's several other players where we have really questioned their ability just to stay fit during the season, perhaps because of their record in terms of how they play the game, in terms of how they look after themselves, all these other bits and bobs. Um, I mean, before we sort of look back on what was a very discouraging afternoon's football, in terms of the way that the players have been managed this season, I do 
understand that it must be really difficult for United and for Mourinho in terms of coming into this season with the Europa League. And there's a couple of reasons for that. There's a couple of portions to blame as well. Last season's performance, the way we played under Van Gaal is being so crucial on this season because we have been stuck in the Europa League, stuck in that Thursday-Sunday loop. It's been extremely rigid. It's been so difficult the second half of the season because we have played so much football. And there's no getting away from that. And Mourinho is right to a certain extent when he talks about the scheduling. You know, the Champions League clubs do get a little bit more leeway than the Europa League ones do. And when was the last time you saw a British club perform well in the Europa League while simultaneously performing well in the Premier League? It just barely happens, if ever. You know, Liverpool got to the final last year and they finished way, way below the top four. Not relatively well. I mean, they weren't that close, essentially, were they? No, I think they finished seventh or eighth or something like that. So, yeah, no, your point is right. And that's one of the biggest kind of concerns I think we all had at the at the onset of the season with the Europa League is it's a tournament that just take if you are going to win it it just takes so long to win doesn't it I mean it's mm. so there are so many games and you can you compound that with the fact that we you know we got to the final of the uh, League Cup and we got to the quarterfinal of the FA Cup I think if you look at Mourinho's track record he is the kind of manager that is kind of 15 key squad members you know and and he 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 likes to go with a consistent 11 as often as he he can right i mean there's a reason why ibrahimovic never got rotated out ever <laughs> maybe once or twice throughout the entire season and and it's because Mourinho is that type of a manager and I guess he's used to working with players that are robust enough to handle that kind of a schedule and also he's not actually accustomed to, to managing in the Europa League is he this is this is the first for him right aside mm-hmm. from when he was at Porto so it's the first time in a long time he's actually had to navigate this type of a schedule himself so maybe it's only natural that he will encounter some kind of hiccups in his in his squad planning he may well look at the departures of Schweinsteiger and Depay and uh, Schneiderlin and say, okay. So you forgot him there, should have held on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's been that long. I've forgotten. But he may well look at that and go, okay, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have let them go. But can you really legislate for five to six to eight of your first teamers getting injured all at once either? I'm not sure you can. So it's easy to criticize in hindsight. But I saw a very, a very interesting point by, I think it was Alice Keegan on Twitter. Uh, yesterday which is I think you retweeted from the Red Voices account didn't you this idea of if you're not going to trust the young players you have to fill in for injuries then allowing your first team squad to be depleted so heavily in January looks unwise but until recently was anybody really crying out for Depay or Schweinsteiger or Schneiderlin you know in many ways it wasn't really until Pogba got injured and Fellaini got uh, sent off in the same week that it became an issue. So it, it's it's really a defensive injury crisis that we've got here rather than an overall squad crisis, I think. Well, I mean, I think that... I think there's a little bit more focus on the midfield as well, to be fair, mate. You know, you look at the way things are going without Pogba and the fact that Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger were sold, the fact that Fellaini's managed to get himself suspended for three league games. You know, with Pogba in there, we definitely looked a more competent midfield junior. Without him, it's just... Where is the link? You know, where is where? How are we going to bridge the gap between trying to get the ball from midfield to attack? It just didn't seem like it's there. You know, we we really really struggle with that, particularly in the second half against City, and with Rooney in there. You know, basically playing in a number ten role yesterday, it just looked I don't know shambolic. I mean, it, that was not the only aspect of yesterday's performance that was really difficult to swallow and difficult to watch. But it's really really clear that we are lacking more personality and more presence and more. 
threat from midfield at the moment. And I do think that there is definitely something to be said for looking at that situation and say that it's been... It's not necessarily been as handled as well as it could be, put it that way. Just to look at the game and the result itself, I think I mentioned in our chat as well that I think the, the tiring thing about watching United over the last few years, and I hope this doesn't come across as sounding too entitled, but the big thing that we've seen over the last two years is that United have been given chances, so many chances over the last couple of league seasons to take things into their own hands a little bit more. Oh, absolutely. And it's just getting tiring that we're looking at situations like Sunday. I mean, thank God for Middlesbrough. I mean, you know, somehow we're just a point behind City when we really should be three. I mean, who tipped Middlesbrough to get anything out of that game at the Riverside on Sunday whatsoever? But the point is, is that we're looking at that game based on our own failure on Sunday and looking and hoping to try and see a more positive result. And we'll be doing the same thing on Monday night when Liverpool play Watford. It's a situation where our deficiencies and where we're cropping up means that we have to look at other teams to kind of help us out again but we had everything in our hands so many times over the last couple of seasons it just feels like we're repeating this pattern over and over again we should actually talk about the Swansea game a little bit Kev do we have to we I mean this is wonderful do you know what this is reminding me of this exact point last season where you and I were talking after the West Ham game at Upton Park I think I had checked I had checked out by March last year I think that was like no that's it yeah I know I know but you asked me a question taught me through the first half of the West Ham game and I said why (laughs) beautiful absolutely wonderful I love how the thing I love how things change but gosh I mean Swansea coming at that game with such gusto considering what it meant to them you know the fact that they got a, a draw out of it wasn't too much of a surprise the fact that they started quite well wasn't too much of a shock either you know Lorenzo had that chance where he cut back inside and Dave did that one-handed save some good attacks and United grew into the game to a certain extent didn't they you know Martial was looking relatively influential you know lovely chip pass to Lingard for a shot and then that really good cut inside key uh, for a low shot that he couldn't get quite past Fabianski uh, the game hinged on a somewhat... Con- well, the first half, anyway, hinged on a somewhat controversial penalty award, though. Love that boy, Marcus, but it's pretty difficult to defend him in that instance, isn't it? Yeah, but I don't mind, because it led to a goal for us. That's true, but at the same time... Well, I mean, it would have been great if we'd taken advantage <laughs> I of never, it. I never claimed to have any integrity <laughs> in terms of my, my footballing preferences, so don't, so don't look for it. There. No, that's true. No, I mean, I get. No, I, guess I, with, I take your point. Rashford, I take your point. You know. um, but it, yeah, it, it wasn't particularly edifying. But then again, you know, you take the leads where you can get them. I wasn't necessarily turning my nose up at it, but it didn't necessarily leave a particularly wonderful taste in the mouth. No, did it? I think he's expecting contact, right? And and if if he's expecting yeah. contact, he's he's lifting his foot so as he, there is an argument to be made that he's lifting his foot so as if that contact comes, he's not going to get a broken leg, right? But to then when the contact didn't come lean in be the one that instigates the contact against arms that are being withdrawn yeah it's it's the ronaldo special isn't it but we'll take him <laughs> we'll take it and i'm much happier that we are talking about a draw rather than a loss in truth and and it seemed like it was the only way we were going to get a goal yeah it's interesting on your on your point regarding you know how seldom we actually take advantage of opportunities to take things into our own hands if, if you look at the amount of games that we've drawn even if so what is it 10 11 draws even if half of those resulted in wins rather than draws you're looking at an additional 10 points and, and we're part of the title picture 
Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things people are like, oh, well, you know, if United win all of their games, they still, yeah, and you're kind of like, yeah, but we can't win the ones we have been playing, so why are we going to win all of our games all of a sudden? No, I mean, the one thing you could <laughs> say is that at least after Rooney scored that penalty, for the most part, whilst it was a really difficult second half and we didn't create that much, you know, the one chance that really springs to mind is Rooney being found by, I think it was Herrera, it was a really nice piece of play, and then he just hit Martial. I mean, I don't necessarily know who to kind of blame for that, but at the same situation, it didn't go in, you know, move on from it. 1-0 up, time running out, Swansea not necessarily offering that much, and one player now who I think deserves a little bit of focus for his performance, Rooney concedes a free kick at the edge of the area, and Gilfie Sigerson steps up, chucks it into the goal, you know, one all, and they celebrated like that was a point earned, even with 10 minutes and then 6 minutes of stoppage time on top. Rooney's performance. Give me some words. Mm. That's not a word. Okay. Um, That's a cop-out, Kevin. Come on. Unnecessary. <laughs> An unnecessary performance. Please play anybody. <laughs> I thought you were going to say foul. I didn't think you were going to say performance. No, an unnecessary <laughs> performance. Why is he still playing for this football club? Excellent penalty conversion. Other people on the pitch could have scored that penalty. He He is actually a detriment to the team now. You know, in, in times past, we have been frustrated with Rooney's output and saying he's not really doing anything da, 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 for the last couple of... Last season, anyway. I mean, but because he now plays so rarely, because he's not any good anymore, when he does play, he actually, I believe, actively harms our performance. Not not just fails to contribute, but actually contributes in a negative manner. Mm. Yeah, he, he was... Equal parts anonymous and damaging just by his very presence. Please play anybody there instead of him. Absolutely anybody. What, what do you think? <laughs> um, a lot of it was quite difficult to watch, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, the foul right on the edge of the area, considering that Swansea have got Sigerson. All right, I'm guessing that didn't enter his thinking, but that's just basically the one area of the pitch that it seemed like they could hurt us from in that second half because I've already tried to let a lot of that game go from my mind already, but I can't really recall Swansea threatening in the break. It felt like they were feeding on scraps. Yeah, what was what was and Ander doing? Cons- what was Ander Herrera doing during the free kick? I don't know. I don't know whether or not... I think the suggestion was that because a couple of the other Swansea players had stepped up that he'd be playing everyone on side, so that's why he went back to the wall as opposed to stacking on the line. But... The call there at first for Ander to go onto the line was perfect. You do wonder if he'd have been there. That's probably getting headed away or cleared. I don't know, mate. That That's like it was about as far up into the top corner as it could possibly have gotten. I'm, I'm not sure he stops that even if he is there. Um, and I do wonder whether he served to distract De Gea's focus, even just for that split second. But then mm. I think perhaps it, it was a little, obviously a different type of free kick. But remember when Ronaldo scored that free kick against Portsmouth, that was like it was literally right up in the top corner and and there was just no way the keeper was getting anywhere near it. Um, It it was kind of like that, but obviously more of an inside-of-the-foot curler that went outside the post and then in. I'm not sure there was any stopping it. I think with with a player as good as that from set pieces, I had a bad feeling as soon as the free kick got given away and you kind of go, anything that happened after that, considering how good the free kick was, you can't really criticise too heavily, even if it did look a bit strange. 
No, it reminded yeah. me of Payet last season in the uh, FA Cup quarter final originally at Old Trafford. Yeah. Payet had that free kick in the second half. I just felt that was going in from the moment it was awarded. Yeah. Similar feeling yesterday. But as I said, the, the big worry was that the way Swansea celebrated that goal, that kind of said to me, in a roundabout way, maybe just released attention. But I looked at that celebration and the way that it, the goal was responded to and it felt like to them they knew that they had struck an incredibly big blow by getting that equalizer yeah and the thing is you can't really disagree with that because so many times this season and then that's just it you know there have been times when we just absolutely battered teams you know mm-hmm. Burnley sticks out in the mind and Stoke we had so many chances against them and then gave away that late Joe Allen goal in somewhat freakish circumstances but to get United back to level terms in a game at Old Trafford, I guess they responded to that in such a way that sort of said, yeah, we know we've now got the result. And they rode out the next sort of 15, 16 minutes in relative comfort. You know, yeah. it was really difficult to argue against it. And to be fair, given the way the first half had gone, given how tired United looked and given how up for it Swansea were and needed to be, it's not necessarily a massive shock that we drew that game. I said several times on the account yesterday, it would be absolutely massive if we could just get through that game, especially because we were somewhat lucky with the penalty award, especially because we played so much football. You know, I think good old Duncan Castles pointed out that it's like a 19-game gap between what United have played and what Swansea have played. Mm-hmm. And that, as pointed out, that is half a league season. And that is that is a not insignificant amount of football to have played on top of another team. But at the same time, the fact that we just couldn't find a way to manage that game well enough to just get through it, whilst we've seen it so many times this season, very, very discouraging. And I think it basically now, we said this so many times this season, and maybe it's not necessarily the final nail in the coffin, but it's so difficult, nigh on impossible to see United being able to compete on both fronts between now and the end of the season with the Premier League and the Europa League. Yeah, I think I first claimed that in about October, so I've always been a bit trigger happy with that kind of assessment um so i can't really create oh we've all been there though haven't we we've all been there where we've said top four feels like it's gone i mean admittedly the failures of the teams above us has certainly helped with that but this just feels like deja vu from last season that city are one point ahead of us at this stage with so few games left but we're waiting for them to slit up there has to be more to it though than just we are tired because we've drawn just as many games in the first half of the season as we have in the second half broadly i'd imagine I'm, i'm assuming um, given that the run has been fairly consistent in terms of its its spread of, of draws and wins, right? I think now it might be, okay, we're shot and that doesn't help matters. But I think there's been a real lack of attacking guile throughout the season. And, and it's generally believed with Mourinho that his approach is, you know, he will drill a defence incredibly well. And, and, you know, you only have to look at the growth of Eric Bailly and the development of, of Marcus Rojo to say, okay, and just our general defense, uh, our defensive record this season, you know, you, you only need to look at that and say, right, okay, he's capable of immediately improving that area of a team. Similar with a midfield, he, you could see throughout the season as we became more well gelled and more confident and more competent that a Mourinho type of team was forming. However, if you look at his record and it is generally reported as such by people who who cover Mourinho is his actual attacking coaching leaves something to be desired you know he's very happy to sign very good attackers and and very strong attackers dominant strikers good wingers you know and and let them kind of do their own thing a bit and 
there has to be some, I think there's something to that this season because if you look at the players that we have, we, we shouldn't be struggling to create the kind of key chances that we have and, and our conversion rate shouldn't be as poor as it is. Now, you could also say, okay, how can a manager affect the player's conversion rate? But it, it all feeds into the same discussion. And we are creating a lot of chances and we do tend to dominate games, but we don't tend to create clear-cut chances. And, and there was a point in the Swansea game yesterday where Rashford got to the byline and whipped in an incredible cross, but to nobody. <laughs> and and you kind of go, okay, so in terms of our attacking shape, I'm not sure it gets the attention or quite the same high level of, of coaching that our defence and midfield do. Somebody, I was chatting to somebody on Twitter about it, and they said, we got to bring in an attacking coach who's going to, you know, like somebody as part of Mourinho's backroom team that's going to drill us better in the attacking part of the field and I'm not, I'm not even sure if it's that so much as it is manager prioritization. McTarian, Martial, Rashford, Zlatan, Jesse Lingard, these are players that should have greater output than they have had this season and, and it's not just that they're tired. There's more to it than that. What do you think? Um, yeah, I agree. I think... Great stuff. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you enjoyed that. You love hearing those words. Um, I mean... One of my worries going into the rest of the season now is the issue of commitment. And I think that, not necessarily because I don't think this team isn't committed to the club and these players aren't committed to the club, I just wonder how willing they are to walk free fire for Mourinho based on how this season has gone. So many times this season we've seen him take a player who has you know, shown plenty of promise. And Mkhitaryan, you know, coming off the back of being Bundesliga Player of the Year, Luke Shaw coming off the back of a terrible injury, but playing really, really great football before that point last season. Anthony Martial, far and away over the course of the season, I mean, obviously you do wonder what would happen if Rashford had come in a few games earlier, but by far our best outfield player over the course of last season was Anthony Martial. He was excellent. So great. And those three players have struggled for form and been publicly called out on several occasions. He doesn't do it with players he feels he, he needs, though, does he? He does it with players that he feels, if they don't up their game, I don't even want them. It's quite interesting. He he doesn't do it with players that he feels he needs. This is the thing, though, Kev, because you look at that situation there and you think about this group, knowing that they've really, really struggled in terms of their temperament and sometimes the attitude in these bigger occasions to get that, you know, the managers have struggled to get that extra level of commitment. You know, Moyes couldn't do it. By the end of it, Van Hal barely did it in that cup final. We struggled so much in that game. And I do wonder if that's going to be an issue with Mourinho now, what he's going to be able to drag out of this team going into these last six games, because they're huge. I mean, it, it could, it definitely could be an issue. I mean, and, and there is, I, I do think that there's something of a character issue in the squad as well. There is something of a character issue in the squad. But Mourinho historically has always created conflict as a management strategy. He always has. I'm not saying I agree with him. I'm, I'm quite critical of the way he's managed Martial in particular. But he will feel vindicated because it has worked for him in the past. And he will also get to a point where he says, well, I want to see X or Y from a player. And if I don't get it, I'm going to call it out. And if they don't provide it, they'll be out the door just as quickly. And he'll look at his record and say, it's worked. Put faith in me. You know, That's true. Okay, Doug. Well, that was a sobering half an hour or so, my friend. Let's uh, finish off. Yes, don't you feel better? No. Yeah. <laughs>
in, uh, well, I mean, what do you want it's from always me? good to talk to you my dude but at the same time oh gosh uh, I mean United tweeted the fixture list for the rest of the season and I did find myself thinking god there's only two of those games at home that's almost a positive what is wrong with this season <laughs> Oh dear, I wish we could be more positive, but after yesterday, I'm really, really struggling. So let's try and grab a shred of light in ahead of uh, Thursday's visit to Celta Vigo. How do you think that's going to go? Nil-nil. Nil-nil. All right, that sounds fair enough. What about United's visit to the Emirates uh, next Sunday? Also nil-nil. Also nil-nil. I mean, what you've done there is taken my suggestion of taking a shred of light and basically buried it. (laughs) In, not wi- well, not willing to play ball. Not willing to play. No, ball. you're not having it. But fair enough. You can blame you. All right, man. Thanks very much for joining <laughs> me for the second half. No worries, man. A pleasure, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, you can get us all over the interwebs. You can get us at www.redvoices.net on Twitter at redvoicesmusc, at Kev at Kevin T Levingston, at me at, at you and Lennox. You guys have yourself a superb week. We will be back with you. Um, give us a little while to relax after this last week, if that's all right. But make sure you take care of yourselves. Bye bye. Thank you.